welcome back to the Entertainment Goes Pop podcast, where all things entertainment cross over with all things pop culture, meaning all topics are fair discussion, including TV, movies, music, sports, video games. All of it is discussed on this podcast. This week, I'm going to do something a little different, as today is Thursday, so that means, hey, we can do Throwback Thursday on the podcast. And also June is known as Superman Celebration Month in Metropolis, Illinois. So I thought it would be fun to go back and pull up some of the old Q&A panels from some of the Superman celebrations of years past that I've went over there and recorded and had a great time. So let's get right into it. First up, we're going to go back to 2017 with James Marsters. Of course, you know him from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know him also from Smallville, a lot of other projects. Of course, he was Spike on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Just a lot of fun having him over in Metropolis. I got to meet him. I actually got in the meet and greet line, got to meet him and talk to him for a couple minutes. Got a picture with him. Just super nice guy. And he was a lot of fun with his Q&A panel. So I'm going to put a spoiler alert here. Remember, there's going to be spoilers on Buffy, there's going to be spoilers on Smallville, and probably a lot of his projects also included in here, so be aware of the spoiler alerts with this. But James Marsters was a lot of fun, and uh, let's go back to 2017 and revisit that Q&A panel. So, you know who this man is. Um, in reading the bio in the program, you know, everybody knows you from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Two of your fans have shown up. And uh, uh, Smallville as Melvin Klein bringing in. Sarah, she was 
thing in the show, it was actually faith in Sarah's body, but it was really Sarah. You know? sure. And uh, I blew like 14 takes. Because I was like, I was playing Spike, and Spike was really into it, you know? And, and so it would be like, oh, Puffy, I love it. Just cut, 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 James. You're, you're, you're a quarter inch to the left. Just move your head, James. Like that, there you go. And that's too much. There you go. All right. Try it again. And, okay, cut. Oh, I love you so much. But cut, James. James, just tilt your head up. So, like, so on and on and on. So, and Sarah was finally just saying, James, stop acting. We all think you're such a great actor. But right now, just do it like a robot, please. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'd go act. And finally, after 15 takes, I got worn down, and I just did it technically in there. And we got the shot, and it looks very glamorous. Because it, the, the glamour is all about the lighting and the music and all of that. I just had to go in there without blowing the light. So, I don't know. You know, we got the shot, you know. Uh, but John was a great guest. But one thing I did learn, though, uh, guys out there, uh, well, this is what I learned. If I want my wife to kiss me, I shave closely. Because that hurts, man. John, he's like, John's got a five o'clock shadow at four o'clock in the morning, you know, like, sand without being sandblasted, man. Yeah, so that's what I learned. Cool. Now, I learned in researching uh, your life that uh, Spike was supposed to be a limited run character on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but the fans asked you, you know, can we have more Spike? Now, how did they make you feel? Made me feel good. Well, how did you learn about it from the producers? Did they just keep calling you up, or did they say, you know, don't go away, you know, don't make plans for next week, or what? Well, like, the thing about Buffy is that, like, Buffy was written by Joss, well, created by Joss Whedon. And for Joss, evil is not cool. That was very important to him. He, he felt like it was a real disservice to humanity to portray evil as cool. To Joss, and I think he's right, evil is pathetic and often comedically stupid. And it's supposed to be very quickly gotten over and defeated. And that's why in Buffy, when the vampires were gonna bite someone, they would get very ugly. Because he didn't want that moment to be romantic at all. Uh, and so when I came on the show, I, and the fans started saying, oh, you know, we, we, we think of him romantically, uh, that's a problem. You know, if I was Joss, if it had been me, I would have killed Spike off in one episode. And as soon as I got, I'm like, nope, he's a danger, and get him off. But, 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 but Joss, Joss Whedon is a lot more creative and a lot braver than I would have been. Um, but I never knew. I mean, I, I really thought that I was about to be killed off at all times. Uh, I would read the, the end of the script first. This is even after like five years. I was convinced that I was about to be killed off because I was such. Uh, ill fit for the show. And I was convinced, like, I used to hide from Joss all the time. Because I think that if, I, if he just didn't have to see me on the set, he would forget that I was in the show. Uh, and yeah, so I was just trying to feed my family. I was really happy that I was still around because I was a poor theater actor for years. And then I became a father, and it became really important to try to make money. So I moved down to Los Angeles. And so I did everything I could to stay on that show. But I, I had no illusions that. Uh, I wasn't on the chopping block. It felt like I was always on the chopping block. And Joss never told me, you're safe. But he backed me up against a wall early on and said, I don't care how popular you are, kid. You are dead. You're dead. You hear me? So he was a great motivator, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs>
water if you need it. Okay, um, let's uh, move up to uh, Smallville, uh, where you play Brainiac, a classic character from Superman. Did you go into the role as a comic book fan? Did you? Oh, you did. Oh yeah. Oh cool. So I remember I had a comic book collection when I was younger. It was huge, and uh, every time I went into the store to buy comic books, they would say, "Oh, this is a very valuable comic book. This is an investment, sir. You know, so you save up your allowance for a month to buy one comic book." And then I, w I went to sell them to make money, and I got three bucks. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah, I read a lot of comics. Yeah, when I, when I met when I met um, the creator Al Goff, uh, who's got a new TV series on AMC called Badlands. If you like fight shows, that show is awesome. Yeah. Um, but I went to I went, he took me out to dinner to talk about coming on Smallville, and I said, Al, I gotta be honest with you, man. I'm a Batman fan. Well, when Batman goes to work, you don't know if he's coming home. Because if you shoot that character, he's dead. And the most exciting part of a hero's journey is when he puts his life on the line to help other people. That's the heroic thing. So if you're doing a movie about Superman, you can pull out the kryptonite, and it's fine, and you get that big ending. But on a television show, you can't bring out kryptonite every week or it becomes repetitive. What are you going to do? And he said, oh, James, I got you covered. He's a teenager. He's going to be vulnerable to everything, you know, to his parents, to his girlfriend, to his self-identity, to everything. And we don't have to have, we'll have kryptonite sometimes for fun, but we'll have that vulnerability, don't worry about it. And I, at that point, I just went, <laughs> you solved the most difficult character in all of drama to write for. Superman is very difficult to write for, for that reason. And he solved it. And they were able to go for 10 years without getting repetitive. Which is just like a magic trick. Yeah. Also, Tom Willing looks just pretty naturally young. It's not even fair. And you do realize, and of course, as a comics fan, you realize you are the first live-action brainiac. <laughs> so, did you try to bring in more elements of the comic book uh, as you went along, or did you just go along with what the uh, the television producers uh, wanted to do. You know, it, in the comic, the thing that freaked me out about Brainiac was he was a robot, but he was sadistic. He had that maniacal smile when he was being mean to people, and like that all the time. And as a kid, that just freaked me out. Uh, and then the show, the whole sell of the character on the show was that Clark didn't even know he was bad. Like, Clark thought they were going to be friends. Uh, and so it was all about being subtle right. and being kind of kind, actually, and exactly kind of the opposite of what Brainiac, because Brainiac, you meet Brainiac, you know he's a villain. Like anyone who's green with the red things, they're like, that's definitely not a good guy. So, uh, but I remember when we were, I was throttling Tom Welling in his Fortress of Solitude, which was, by the way, a very hot set. It was, it was, it was like 110 degrees in there uh, because uh, white reflects light. It doesn't eat light, so the light bounces around. It's like a heat furnace. And it, it, funny side note, you have two characters in there, Superman and a robot that aren't supposed to sweat. Just <laughs> mop them down. Let's get this out. Oh, my God. Um, uh, but I remember I was throttling him, and I thought, oh, my God, this is my moment. I can do the maniacal smile. 
And so just without being told, I just went for the weirdest, you know, kind of <laughs> smile that I could because I wanted to try to get back to those comics. And sure. Just a little bit. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, now we're skipping around a lot here because I know these guys are going to have some great questions for you, yeah. right? right? And by the way, guys, you can ask me anything that you want. I'm shameless. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it. Um, tell us about your music career. Ghost, Ghost of the Robots. Yeah. yeah. Tell, tell us. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, uh, I've been I've been playing music in bars since I was like 13, which is a great way to get into a bar when you're 13. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, when I I kind of chose to go for acting. And my guitar kind of went into a private kind of thing at home. Uh, and then uh, I was, uh, I, I did an interview after I was on Buffy and they found out that I play guitar. So there were a lot of clubs that were asking for me to play. And they didn't really care if I was any good. They just knew that they would sell a lot of tickets if Spike shows up to play music. And I was horrible. Because it's one thing to be good in the bathroom, you know, like, you know, at home. It's a whole other thing to be good enough for people, you know, it's worth money, you know? Uh, I remember one time I was playing a big club in uh, in L.A., and Pink shows up. They come backstage, they're like, Pink is in the audience, she loves you, man. It's gonna be awesome. And I'm like, oh, no, man. <laughs> I, I wasn't under any illusions, right? And, uh, and sure enough, by the, by, uh, you know, by the show's over, Pink is gone. She liked him. She didn't stay. She's like, you've ruined my, you know, my image of you. But um, then I met a man uh, named Charlie DeMars. He was an 18-year-old. He'd come down from Sacramento, where he was getting a lot of radio play with his uh, with his band Power Animal, and he had come down to shop his album out to the studios, not knowing that it's almost impossible to be heard down in Los Angeles. So. He was having a problem with that, and uh, he was having to be staying with his, with his brother, who was my next door neighbor. And I was just playing my guitar out on my stoop, and uh, this kid shows up, and he's like, oh, you play. And he, we started playing guitar, and he started showing me the songs he was writing. I started showing him some of the songs that I was writing, and, um, and we formed the band. And he said, uh, as soon as we decided we wanted to do a band, he goes, uh, I think I have a rhythm section. We've got, I've got a drum, drum and bass. They're really good together. I think you might want to check them out. And I'm like, oh, let's, let's get them up, get them down to Los Angeles, and uh, let's do it this weekend. He says, well, actually, this weekend they're in New York at the Lincoln Center playing jazz. But when they get back, and they're 18 playing jazz at the Lincoln Center. Right? So they have, they have, those two guys were like, they were such musicians, they could, they could bubble so perfectly together. But they were 18, so they could hit hard for rock. And it was a great fit. And so we formed the band. We cut an album uh, and then went to tour it uh, all across Europe and the United States uh, and sold out everywhere. Uh, we did, uh, we've been all over the world. We've sold every club out in London. We played Berlin, Paris, Barcelona, uh, New York, Chicago. Like we've been all over the place. We've sold everything out and we're, we are coming out with our fourth album. Uh, I believe it's, we're hoping to get it out by August. And we're playing Sacramento next weekend. So come to Sacramento. Describe your sound. Uh, it is it is pretty straight ahead. It's like um, respectable pop rock, uh, like Weezer or Ben Folds Five. Uh, it's pretty pretty hard charging rock, but if it would have been good on the radio if the radio was still playing rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's like we call it like, yeah. We call it alternative, alternative music now, but we used to just call it rock and roll. Right, yeah. So, yeah, like the keyboards have taken over and the computers have taken over, but the rock, rock is still there and we're gonna come back. Rock never dies. That's right. If you had a choice between acting and music, which of the two might you pick? I'll we'll put you on the spot here. I don't have to choose. <laughs> I've lived my life by by having my cake and eating it too. <laughs> and I just say you just gotta drink enough coffee and you can do both. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have to. Wait a wee bit. Anyway, um, let's turn the question name over to you guys. We've got Supergirl is going to walk amongst you. So I actually have a question for you about the new show you're supposed to be starring in, The Runaways. Yeah. Have you been sharing on it already? Uh, we have shot the pilot on Runaways. It's a uh, it's a Marvel comic. Cool. Sorry, guys. I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's about a group of teenagers that discover that their parents are supervillains. And uh, so I don't play a teenager. Uh, so I'm I that guy. I know you're playing. But the good news is I play the biggest douche of all. Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, like we did the pilot, and the other the other parents are like mildly bad, and then I open my mouth and I'm just horrible. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. Uh, and we start shooting in earnest for the for the series for the series on July 10th. Uh, yeah, and we get to do it at the Disney Studios, and it's kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, the, the whole cast is fabulous. Uh, all the parents have like huge resumes. Uh, all the kids have smaller resumes because they're young. But uh, they all have such great instincts, and um, the table read went so well. And uh, Marvel, they said they're they're more excited about that pilot than they've ever been before. So yeah, there's a lot of expectation. Thanks for the question. Uh, I was wondering what it's like to play both sides, playing Mr. Fantastic and also playing Lex Luthor. I, Mr. Fantastic, I didn't play. So we're talking about Lex Luthor. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, uh, they, they, my first Lex Luthor was for Superman Doomsday, which was a, um, They said they wanted a more adult Superman. They, they said that, that movie was for the grown-up fans of Superman more than the kids. So that it was going to be a little more intense. And uh, so I tried to play Lex as subtle as I could, kind of very realistic. Uh, kind of like, I imagine like if Hugh Hefner was combined with the Lex Luthor that I normally see, that would be kind of where we wanted to go. And I remember, uh, they liked that, DC liked that Lex a lot, and they, they invited me back for the video game DC Universe Online, right? And I, I get it, yeah, and I get, I get into the, the recording booth to start doing the video game, and I start doing my lines, but I'm doing it like Hugh Hefner still, because that's the one I know. And they're, and they're like, uh, cut, cut, James, um, have, have you seen the artwork for the video game yet? I'm like, no. I'm like, can you come into the booth, please? So I go into the booth, and they show me a picture of Lex, and he's in, like, battle armor, he's, like, nine feet tall, he's got rockets on his shoulders and stuff, I'm like, oh, uh, butch it up. And they're like, yeah, yeah, butch it up. He went from, like, oh, hi, how you doing, Lois, to, like, I will destroy you! 
just remember the scene where, like, we're like looking at the moonlight. We're up in, we're in the barn on the second floor, and I'm like, Clark, you have to forgive yourself. It's all about forgiveness and love yourself as well. I'm giving all this great advice, and I'm just thinking, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> Tom, Tom is buying it, you know? <laughs> and in between cuts, he's like, we're gonna be the best of friends. <laughs> My character doesn't have anyone who understands me. Oh, no, you're dead. <laughs> you know, every role has, has some delicious stuff. That, uh, that I will take to my grave. It's just a, an amazing experience. I remember when I was doing this horrible movie called Dragon Ball. And they didn't want to use a stuntman because they were bad producers. And like, I, I'm known for doing a lot of stunts, but I'm not a stuntman. And uh, they had a stunt guy, Danny Hernandez, one of the best in town. He was supposed to be a stunt guy, but they didn't want to put him through the four-hour makeup for money reasons. They just wanted to put, like, a pullover mask, and it just didn't look good. And I remember realizing that they were never going to use him. They called me to set. Danny is up on a 17-foot tall cliff. And the gag is, is that the character, Piccolo, is the one we were playing, was going to get sucked off the cliff by a magical pot, a makubapa. And he gets sucked off, and in the movie, he gets sucked off, and he starts spinning down into the pot. So the first shot was just to jump off the cliff. You're wired, of course. Jump off the cliff and get lateral and start start turning, which is a little bit dicey. And then another shot, you know, where you're turning faster, and then computers take over, et cetera, et cetera. But the first shot is to get off that cliff. And Danny's up there, and, uh, and action is called. Danny, you know, sucks himself off the cliff and goes into the role. But he oversells the oversells the jump a little bit, and he comes slamming back against the cliff and just cheese grates across the cliff for about 15 feet. And they lower him down. He's like twitching and giggling because stuff never never hurt <laughs> like that. And, the, and and they get Danny down. And the paramedics go over to him, and the director turns back to me and goes, "Are you ready?" <laughs> and I'm like. Could, me? Like, can I see the playback? And I'm looking at the playback, and, you know, Piccolo's face is like this tiny, you know, tiny little figure in the frame. And I'm like, dude, they'll never tell. And he's like, it's a movie, James. I'm being blown up. Go, get, get up there. And I did the gag, and I got it in two takes, and when they lower me down to the floor, and they're unhooking me, the head of stunts walks by on the radio, and he goes, well, we got away with that one. <laughs> that you keep, you know, and, 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 and I'm, I'm so lucky because my life is full of them. Every, every movie I've done, I've got, I've, there are delicious, wonderful things that have come from me, even when they suck. Beautiful. We've got time for one quick question. Uh, Supergirl, find us a question. Oh, yeah. Hi. Uh, Edward, well, anyway. uh, so you made some pretty, like, awesome contributions to uh, the extended Buffyverse in the comics. So I was wondering if we could look forward to any more of that in the future. That's a good question. I, uh, yeah, I've written a couple of comic books. Um, and they would like me to write more. And I have been in talks with David Fury, who was one of the writer-producers on Buffy and Angel, about writing together. And we have, we've met a couple of times and gotten a story off the ground. And then we get a big project that takes us away. Uh, and right now, he's producing a live-action Tick, 
which is going to be awesome. Yeah. Like, the chick was written by the guy, like, okay, the, the angel episode with the puppets. Was written by ben Englund wrote that script, and he's the guy that created the tick. Oh, so wow. now David and Ben are are teaming up to do the live action version. There's there's been other versions of the tick, but it's never been in the control of the guy who created it. Oh, so this wow. new one is actually going to be good. Uh, the good news is, is they're going to put me on that show. So I've got a lot of that. But yeah, I would love uh, I would love to. We're not done with the script yet. You know, we've got some ideas floating around, but but we've been interrupted by projects, unfortunately. So you'll have to wait. Okay. Well, that's great. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say in closing to your Smallville, Torchwood, uh, Buffy fans, anything? Yeah. Um, if you... Supernatural. Great guys, by the way. I have a show on the internet as well called Vidiots, which is about two guys that travel the world and are fools and don't understand anything they, they come in contact with. And we're just finishing up the first season. It's very popular. Uh, it's insanely expensive. It's a subscription. It's a dollar thirty per episode. So, uh, but uh, but it's really good. So you can go online to uh, videotsonline.com and sign up for that. Fantastic. James Marsters, so much fun. Of course, I'm a huge Buffy and Angel fan, so that was a real thrill for me to uh, to be there for that Q&A and to get to meet him that day. Next up, we're gonna jump back to 2016 for a Supergirl Q&A panel, the CW Supergirl series. And this was recorded in between seasons one and two to give you a timeline on some of the things that they discuss in this. But we've got McCod Brooks and Peter Facinelli. So, of course, you're going to have your spoiler alert here for Supergirl, but also be aware that there's a lot of Twilight discussion in here as well for Peter Facinelli. So, spoiler alert, be aware for any other projects that you might uh, get some spoilers on that you might not want to know about. So, just in case, throwing that out there. So, let's go back to 2016 with this very fun Q&A panel with McCod Brooks and Peter Facinelli. Uh, a lot of you women will remember him from Desperate Housewives and will remember him in probably totally different dreams from True Blood. Uh, some of the men will remember him from Necessary Roughness. <laughs> I But he is our newest James Olsen from Supergirl, McCod Brooks. Thank you guys. Love you. And the best. And the best, Jimmy Olsen. Uh, don't say that too loud. I think Martin Thor is here somewhere. We're, we're still waiting on the red hair and the bow tie, but you know, I cut the hair. It's too hot for bow tie. Y'all do this in the spring next time? I'll do, I'll do the bow tie. Also, we also have a lot of people we're remembering as Carlisle from the Twilight Zone. And as the kind and gentle and thoughtful doctor on Nurse Jackie. 
So please make welcome Mr. Peter Faccinelli. And I'm going to ask the first one. Since Supergirl has now officially moved from CBS to the CW, a lot of people immediately thought, well, they're going to change everything. I don't know how many spoilers you are allowed to give, or even if, because you're on hiatus, if you've even gotten too deep into the season. Is there any major changes that you are allowed to tell us that move from moving from the first season to the second? I think Supergirl, um, they're going to cut the CGI and you're going to actually see the strings now. Yeah. So she's just going to jump off a building and fall. So it's going to be, she, she it's gonna be more exciting. Actually. She doesn't fly anymore. She just falls. Just like, like a rock. She Straight. falls with grace and style. Yeah. No, uh, in all seriousness, no. Uh, we're actually going to be gaining some things. We'll be gaining some crossover potentials with uh, The Flash. Tomorrow, uh, with, with uh, the Arrow universe, we're, we're going to gain more than we lose, actually. And so Superman. And Superman's going to show up. Hey! Yeah. He's going to come pay us a visit up in Vancouver. And, and since it's such an intimate group, it's just between us, you can tell us who's going to play Superman, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> we already know. <laughs> yeah, it's actor named Mackay Brooks. So, Chris, uh, Christopher Walken. <laughs> Super man. That would be that would be Christopher. This one's from Odd. Yes. In the episode where you were actually the hero, Kara lost all of her powers. Right. You went for a day. Okay. You were up on that elevator. Was that you or was that a stunt double? Oh, that was me, buddy. Oh. <laughs> you must have been sweating. What's that? You must have been sweating. I was crying. Yeah. <laughs> I would, yeah, there's plenty of fluids coming out of my body. It was it was, it was bad. Um, so I, I thought it was all green screen. He's about a foot up. No, that's not true. Not true. <laughs> you weren't even there that day. And he was, he was still there. He was still sweating. He was not there that day. It was a foot. One was foot a, up. The it ground. was a 45 foot drop. And this is a true story. 45 foot drop. And I was like, Yeah, I do this. Yeah. I did it twice. I was like, Take me down. Take me down. Put, I have a great stunt double. He's amazing. He did, and he did. He did it like eleven times. I did it twice. So. Can we can we tell the story now? Is it is it been enough time <laughs> to tell that story or no? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. So real quick, we don't have too much time. This isn't a question, but I got to tell you, it's, it's, not, it's funny now. It's, it's, it's why we're such good day. friends now. Now, now, now. Yeah. It's time has passed, and, and he's forgiven me. But. Do you guys remember the scene where I have him tied up in the chair? Yeah. And so I'm swinging this, this wrench around. This yeah, wrench huge wrench. And it was real. Huge wrench. And so on the day, they were supposed to use a crowbar, but then they thought, no, a wrench would work better. So they didn't have, like, usually they use, like, a, like a fake, like, wrench. But because they swapped it out for something else, and they had a real wrench. Heavy. And we were shooting this scene for a couple of hours, and I guess my, my arm was getting a little tired. And poor Makad's sitting in the chair, and I'm swinging it around, you know, threatening him. And I go to switch it from one hand to the other, and it slides out of my hand, and it boomerangs around and catches him in the knee. Right. And Makad goes down. He didn't down, cry, down he didn't cry, Olsen. but he went down. Down goes Olsen. It was handcuffed. I was like... <laughs> this is supposed to be make-believe. 
And so, uh, so they actually had to shut production down. He went to the hospital. Uh. I felt horrible. I was calling him, you know, texting him. He was like, "It's okay." And he was before you out for like two days, right? Yeah, it was alright. I mean, I was, I was, I was limping for about eleven months, and. Uh, <laughs> He walks with a limp now, but it's a character thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know. Now when you see him limping, you know why. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. But it was all good because it was his birthday in the next week. So what did I get you for your birthday? For my birthday, he uh, came by my trailer and gave me a, a gang of, like, a variety pack of wrenches. A set of wrenches. <laughs> and I said, if you ever need a day off, call me. <laughs> so if you want your kneecaps broken, somebody owe you some money, you see Fashionelli over here. All right, we got Supergirls over here with another question. What was it like whenever you were on the set on Twilight? Well, it's mostly like... It was, it was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, we, we shot in all different locations. First movie we shot in Portland, Oregon. Second movie we shot in Vancouver. Uh, third movie was Vancouver, and fourth movie was in Louisiana. So the house that you see in that in those movies was like a traveling house. They keep they kept rebuilding it in different places. The, the first house was um, actually the real house, and then they they used it. They, they kept building this house in different locations. But as far as filming, it's like every other set. So um, usually the actors get together, and then I say something, they say something, I say something, they say something, then they call cut, and that's the scene. But um, I mean, as far as the other actors, because we did five movies together, it became like a family, and, and I love them to death. And then like family, when they leave the house, they never, you never see them again. But, but they still take my texts, and, uh, and they'll always be family to me. Speaking of Twilight, can you tell us the process that brought you to that? Did you seek the role, or did they come to you? All right, you, know, you want the long story or the short story? Right? We're here all weekend. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you a long story. So, uh, they sent me the, this, uh, they called me, the, they said, hey, do you want to be in a vampire movie? And I said, no. Because <laughs> I was thinking, like, Bella Lugosi and, like, some, like, blood and gore and guts. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I didn't, I didn't really, that's not what I wanted to do. So they said, no, it's based on these books, and they sent me the book, and I, and I thought, wow, it's really, it's a beautiful love story with a, with a, with a vampire backdrop. And the romantic in me was like, I'd like to do this. So, um... So I went in and I read for it with, with uh, Catherine Hardwick, which was a fantastic process because Catherine actually read with me. And we read this scene where um, I'm hovered over Bella at the end of the first movie, and I'm, uh, and I'm like, have my, my hand on her thigh, I'm trying to you know, stop the blood. So Catherine was laying on the floor and I have my hand on her thigh, crouched down on top of her. And I was like, if someone walks in the room right now, this is gonna look really bad. But, uh, but anyway, I, 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 I guess I massaged her thigh well enough where she said, I, I like this guy. But, uh, but, but it came down to like me and like three other actors and, uh, and I didn't get the role. And, and I kept calling my agent and said, hey, what's going on with Twilight? They said, no, they, they offered it to someone else because they wanted the character to look older than me. They, so they went with an actor that was like 10 years older than me. Are you bored yet? <laughs> All right, I'll speed it up. So, so I, I was really bummed, and I, I went on another audition, and I'm sitting in the waiting room, and there's a book that's uh, 50 years of vampire making through Hollywood, and it was like all these great 
vampire movies, and I thought, wow, the universe is rubbing it in that I didn't get this movie. So I took down the name of the book, and I sent it to Catherine, a, a copy of this book, and I said, hey, uh, sorry it didn't work out. You know, I hope you make a great vampire movie, and I uh, hope we get to work on something in the future. And the other actor, I guess, fell out because uh, he was asking for a lot of money, or maybe he was busy on another project. And, and Catherine, they said, who do you want to go to next? And Catherine had just gotten my book that day. Wow. And she said, uh, well, how about Peter Vagelli? He gives good uh, thigh rubs. And, uh, <laughs> and he sent me a book. So I always joke with Catherine that I bought my role for $29.99. We have another question right over here. Uh, this one's for McCod. Uh, yeah. What did, have you given any advice from previous Jimmy Olsen's? Uh, no, I was not, actually. Um, but uh, to that point, I, I was actually really, the entire time I was shooting the pilot, I was terrified that I was going to be fired every five minutes because you're like, okay, so this character's 75 years old, he's well-established, he looks nothing you look like great me. for 75, by the way. We don't really look alike, you know what I mean? So I was kind of like, man, um, what do I do? And they're like, just be you. I go, but he's not me. I'm like, you've seen him, right? They're like, yeah, 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 but we're going to change him. So it, it, it just kind of was like, no matter what I think people thought the character, we were keeping the DNA of that character. And he is still the eyes and the ears of the audience for uh, to be in such close proximity to a superhero, but um, any advice I would have gotten, I, I, I'm not sure if it, it would have been applicable. Did, uh, did you read for the role? I did, and so, I, I wrote Greg Belanti's style. So when you, uh, did you? No. Did you send him a book? Um, when you read, I'm sorry, I'm taking over the questions, because I'm curious now. When you read for it, were you, did you did you go in thinking, I'm gonna play him kind of nerdy and quirky, or were you just no, like, I'm gonna no, go no. and be me? Well, uh, here's the thing, because like I, you go in there with glasses and a bow tie. No, like... no. I, I, so I grew up as a, as a huge Jimmy Olsen fan, a, a huge Superman fan. Period. So like I was very familiar with the Jimmy Olsen comics and 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 who Jimmy Olsen was. And uh, so I was like, when I got the audition, I go, they know I'm black, right? <laughs> Wait, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, they know I'm black, right? <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. So I, I knew I, I, I couldn't play him as he'd always been, you know, uh, 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 portrayed. So I just, I went in as myself. Like I went in, yeah. I, yeah. And I, yeah. It's a testament to DC Comics, testament to Warner Brothers and, and CBS and CW. So you went in shirtless? No, I, I, I had a shirt on, for sure. I had a plaid flannel shirt. Like, yeah, I dressed like my little Austin Texas self. And that's the thing, if anybody here ever wants to be something that people think you cannot be, just, be, just be yourself. Just be yourself. Yeah. All right, you got... I'm actually a physician in training and also an entrepreneur. So I love what both of you have done in your careers, and I have a question directed at Peter. Um, we have a healthcare group that helps train physicians in clinical medicine and entrepreneurship for the benefit of the patient in the long run. Wow. So I'm very curious to hear, for you, Peter, you played the doctor, now you played the billionaire entrepreneur. How much training exposure do you get to play this kind of role? Because we do it for real, so it's good to get kind of input from your end. Well, so I was doing uh, Twilight and Nurse Jackie at the same time, so I just happened to get both of those roles uh, right before. Um, so I actually, 
I, I kind of shadowed a doctor at a hospital for a couple of days just to kind of see what happens at a hospital and what they do. Because usually I go in as a patient, so I don't really know. So I got my medical degree in those three days. It's not hard. I can, I practice, I can practice medicine in three states. Yeah, it's not, it's not hard. States I don't know what you guys go to school for that long for. It's weird. You got a computer, you got Photoshop, you got yeah. a printer. You know, you got a computer. Uh, but, but honestly, like, once you... Look, I always say play, play the person, not the occupation. So, um, just because you're a fireman or a doctor or, or a lawyer or a, you know, musician doesn't mean that you have to be a certain type. So it's really find the character and, th and whatever job they are is their job. But I did, I did want to know some medical stuff. But mostly when you're doing those kind of medical shows or, or you know, it's whatever's in the script, you have to know what it is. So a lot of stuff on Nurse Jackie, I would be Googling and finding out what that stuff is and not necessarily know how to perform the operation, but at least know in my mind what I'm talking about. And then they always had a technician on, on staff to show you like what you would do, or where would you like check people, um, look, listen, and breathe, you know, look, listen, and, and what is it, look, listen, and feel, or whatever. Um, those are the first three things you do. And, um, and so, yeah, you, there's always somebody there that will help you. Okay, fabulous. Is there anything you can say honestly that we as physicians are missing? Um, Big question. Uh, no, I, I mean, like I said, every, every physician is different. You know what I mean? If you, even if you take Carlisle Cullen as a physician and you put him next to Dr. Cooper as a physician, they're completely different. You know what I mean? So, it, it, it just, uh, I like Makad. Be you. Just be you. You know? Beautiful. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Maxwell Lord and Supergirl, whenever you were always wanting to watch Netflix, what movies did you like to watch on Netflix? That's a great question. Twilight, Nurse <laughs> Jackie, True Blood. True Blood. Uh, those were my first three go-tos. Supergirl, <laughs> Superman. already said that he's, he's a lifelong fan of Superman and the comic books. Peter, did did you have any introduction to these characters, to, to this world, to the DC universe, or even the Marvel universe, before well, accepting the... I, I grew up uh, getting Spider-Man comics. That, that was my favorite. Um, but as far as Superman, I mean, everybody knows Superman movies, and I've watched them all, and, and been a big fan of the comics. Supergirl, I, I mean, I haven't. I didn't know that world as much. I had to look up Maxwell Lord because I didn't know, you know, who he was. But there's so many different variations of, of Maxwell Lord in the comics. This was the first time he was being portrayed live. So I, luckily, I got to build my own, you know, presentation of him and not have to like say, well, should I go off of somebody else's? But um, but I, I mean, I like Maxwell Lord. I think, you know, he, he rides. A, he lives in a gray area, which makes a lot of people think. You know, everyone's like, he's a bad guy. I'm like, eh, he does bad things for the greater good. <laughs> Just avoid Wonder Woman at all costs. Yeah, I, yeah. I heard about that. <laughs> yeah. Stay away, well. stay away. What is it like being chased after a nuclear-powered maniac in Supergirl? <laughs> you have to run really fast. Uh, uh, the actor's name is Chris... Um, forget his name, but he's the nicest guy in the world. He didn't hit him with a wrench or anything. So. No, he didn't hit him with a wrench. Okay. Okay. But uh, one of the nicest guys in the world, and so it's like it's kind of funny. Like a lot of times, you see these villains on TV, 
and they're just really cool people, right? And like they're just really nice people. So it's like we're like talking about whatever, you know, he, he surfs and the whole thing, and we're just kind of talking, having a good time. And actually, uh, I'm like, whoa, what's <laughs> going here? And uh, yeah, just run fast. Um, how does it, like, how do you feel, like, when you watch yourself in the last Twilight movie, how do you feel knowing you get your head ripped off? <laughs> You know, honestly, I got a little teary-eyed. I really did. I, mean, I, I grew to love that character, and, and watching my head in someone else's hands, you know, it's, uh, I know, it was just a dream. But well, when I first read the script, I was like, oh, man, they killed me. And I, was, I thought, I don't get to do it, because all the other actors had this great battle sequence, and I was like, I don't get to do any of the action, because I'm dead within the first, like, three, you know, seconds. Uh, but it was really, it was sad watching, even if it wasn't me, it was sad watching that character get a sick I remember taking my daughters and they actually, one of them started crying. I don't know if it's because their dad had their head cut off or because that character had their head cut off, but, um, but it's always sad. Um, I've, I've died a lot of times, <laughs> but I never had my head cut off. Well, then you're elated. You're always elated to know that you live for another day. Now, are you two currently traveling? You're, you're here together. Are you doing other conventions together as a team? or well, you We're just, just going on the road now. We're doing birthday parties. Yeah. Our mitzvahs. Yeah. Uh, uh, quinceañeras. Quinceañeras. Grocery uh, store openings. Yeah. Uh, pawn shop closings. <laughs> you get a lot of free stuff here. Don't laugh. That's cool. How long before you go back into production for Supergirl? July 18th. All right. Yeah! We have a question about midway back. McCod, with your relationship with Jenna Dewan on the show, does oh. Channing Tatum ever come around and give you a hard time? Yes, he does. <laughs> Channing's actually, Channing's one of the nicest people you ever want to meet. Just a great guy. Um, but yeah, he, he comes by set sometimes, and then I'm like... Only during the kissing scenes does like, like, Channing show up. <laughs> I can't kiss her in front of Channing. He can ruin my career. It's horrible. <laughs> no, he's, he's great. He's, it, you know, they're, they're both, you know, consummate professionals, so... You know, they, they both kiss other people for work. <laughs> so, it's really... Tough job. Tough job. Tough job. I'm sorry? Uh, no, because I would lose. <laughs> the question was, have I ever had a dance-off with Channing Tatum? And the answer is, no. <laughs> have you seen him dance? Okay, then no. <laughs> Next question. Way, uh, almost in the back, we have a question. Um, I've seen a lot of Superman stuff, and I have a question. Is there going to be any villains from Superman going to be in the Supergirl season next we don't know that, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know what? Here's the thing. The funny thing about Hollywood is the actors are the last to know anything. So if you want to know something, never ask us. <laughs> like, like, you didn't know you were going to die, so you read it, right? Right. So it's like, no, I don't. I hope so. I hope so. Who do you want? What, what villain do you want? Thanks, Luther. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Any other hands? I see a hand straight back. Supergirl's on her way. This is a question for both of you. 
Uh, with the internet and with fandom reacting in real time to your work, uh, has that affected you and how has that affected you and has it changed the way you've approached the work? Yeah, I cry myself to sleep every night. I, I think that I was on a press tour one time with, uh, with a very, a very um, successful producer named Jerry Bruckheimer. And, yeah. And uh, I was reading the reviews of a, a movie that we did. And, and I said, have you, I asked him, I said, have you, have you read the reviews? He said, no. I go, why? He goes, because if I, if I read, and I said, they're great. He goes, yeah, but if I, if I read the good ones and I believe them, I have to read the bad ones and believe them too. So he just sort of stayed away from it. And I was, at the time I was like 25, 26 years old. And I was like, you know what? That's a great idea actually, because I can't just, I can't just take a part of it and think that that's the truth. So I kind of just stay away from it. I Google myself at least five times a day. <laughs> what I really like to do when I'm feeling good about myself is to read the comment section. <laughs> what everybody's saying about me. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't realize how much time and effort goes into filming just a brief yeah. moment on TV. What is, well, actually for both of you, what is the general time, many days, it takes to film one episode, and for Peter, have, is there a, a distinct difference between filming for the theater and filming for TV? Well, I'll take that first one. No, I mean, you know, if a plumber's fixing a sink or a bathtub or a toilet, he's still doing the same work. So, I mean, as an actor, whether you're filming for television or film, uh, you're doing the same work. It's just you guys are watching it on a different, uh, on a different venue, but. I mean, I don't, is, is the time frame different between films? The time frame is different. I mean, uh, TV, you're shooting, what, eight, eight to nine to ten days? Well, I mean, most, most shows shoot seven to eight day episodes. We shoot ten day episodes. And sometimes we shoot two or three at once, which is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Out of sequence. Out of sequence, yeah. yeah. So basically like this. Okay, so imagine going to work at 5.30 in the morning on a Monday and you leave about 7 p.m. and all you did that day was get about six minutes, maybe five minutes of the episode done? Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. That's what I said too. I was like, whoa, really? 14 well, hours. Well, in, in film it's even worse. Because yeah, in film you're worse. shooting like 16 hours and you're doing like two to three minutes of filming. Right. It's crazy. So, I mean, the film process is slower because uh, they're getting more camera angles and, and, and it can and be. they take more time. Yeah, it can be slower. But, but TV is very, it's faster. I yeah. mean, you can do like six to eight pages a day where on film you're doing like three to five pages a day. Which I think as an actor sometimes is more fulfilling because you, you can take your time. You know? yeah. TV is just like, even if, even if you didn't like what happened, they got to move on. It's a lot of waiting too. We we sit right. and wait a lot because they have to move lights around. So it's, I think the hardest thing is keeping your stamina going for those 17 hours, uh, because you know it's like being it's like you're going in the ring and then you're you're working for a minute or two, and then you're sitting for like 10, 15 minutes. Right, and you got to right. get that energy to keep going. So right. a lot so of red, a lot so, of Red Bull. So that's when you Google yourself and read the comments just to keep yeah. yourself. All right, another question. I see you again back in the back. Hello. Um, so in the pilot episode, I might be wrong, but I don't think you guys say Superman once, except in that beginning sequence. 
like the um, introduction? Were yeah. you not allowed to say Superman at in that episode? No, no, we, we, we were allowed to. We just, I, 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 I asked that question too. I thought it was kind of cool that they just, we just alluded to him. But at the same time, it's a Supergirl show, you know what I mean? Like Superman has a lot of fans. We were trying to build Supergirl's universe, right? We're trying, we're trying to, it's, it's, it was her thing. So we don't want to like, you know, we want to borrow Superman's fans, sure. But we don't want to base it on that. So we, we tried to build the myth of Supergirl. So Once you start having Superman in it too much, then it becomes Superman. Right. Know? So, or Superman and Supergirl. So, right. so I think to keep it focused on her, uh, they kind of just alluded to him, kept him in the shadows. And it's, it's time. It's time to focus on a, on, a, on a female superhero. You know, it's like... It's way past time, really. You know. Did they express to you that they had made a, uh, a distinct decision to make Supergirl a lighter than the Arrow universe? And I, You know what? I, I, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that our, our writers and our creators grew up in the Richard Donner. You know, like Christopher Reeves, yeah. Superman films. Those were like light romantic comedy, kind of like, you know, feel good movies, but also with like super heroics. Like you could actually take the heroics out of those movies and it's a workplace comedy and, and like, you know, an awkward, you know, love story and all these different things. Uh, fish out of water type thing. So I think that they, they wanted to keep it, you know, um, just light and fun, because it's, it's, there's a lot of darkness out there. We, we want to bring smiles to the world. Okay, yeah. That's good. Cool. Welcome back up to the front. I have my own question. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's my favorite question to ask all the celebrities that come here. Are there any practical jokes that go on on set? <laughs> I like to name people with wrenches. It's really funny. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's and hilarious. And who's practical joker on set? <laughs> I mean... You know, we laugh a lot, but you yeah. know, it, when you're at work, there's a lot of work to be done. So right. I, I, see, here's the thing. I, I play a lot of practical jokes on most sets that I'm on, but this set is so goofy. It, there's no need. It's like we're laughing. Not they'll say action. And we're crying, laughing. We gotta go. Just wait, guys. Wait. Like you know. So it's it's kind of like this set doesn't actually need a practical joke because it's it's just so. Fun. It's a really a lot of. It is. A, it's a good group of people. Yeah, it's a lot really of. Really good group of people. Like I don't even know how we get serious scenes done sometimes. Like we're crying laughing half the time. Now we know a whole lot of people in here are waiting to get autographs, so we've got to get both of these men a break. Wait, wait, wait! I want to tell and, my. Can I tell one? Oh, more I'm, I'm, I'm still gonna take a couple more a questions. Story. Yeah, sure. I'm gonna ask myself a question. Have you ever been to Metropolis, Illinois? Yes, I have. I've been to Metropolis before. Uh, 14 years ago, I, I did a road trip from New York to LA. And I, I had an RV, I was with my ex-wife and my, my little five-year-old daughter. And I saw a sign that said, Metropolis, Illinois, hometown of Superman. I said, I, we have to stop there. And so I pull up with my RV, I don't even think it fit in the town, but, because uh, it was a really big one. And uh, we went to the museum, and I'm super excited and I'm really giddy, and I, I walk in with my little girl, and I said to the guy behind the counter, I said, hey, got a super bathroom for my super little girl? And he looks up, he goes, try the Super 76 across the street. And I was like, that's the best one I ever And that's when I fell in love with Metropolis, Illinois, so I'm glad I'm back. All right, we're gonna take maybe two more questions so that these gentlemen can relax a little bit before they start 
signing their lives away again. Uh, my question is for Makan. Uh, <laughs> I was like, wait, hey, what? Uh, it's a ghost. I love you in True Blood, by the way. And I was going to tell you. you, I have a question for you. You say you grew up with comics and Superman and all that. Yeah. Your stature, you know, obviously you've shocked everybody with being able to play an amazing Jimmy Olsen Thank and you. doing it your way. Have you ever been approached, because now all these superhero movies and TV shows, have you been approached to be a superhero? No comment. Who would you want to portray? <laughs> Elongated lad. If I had my choice, absolutely, play, your choice. Green Lantern. Yes. Thank you so much. Breaking news, man. We'll, we'll still take one more, but I have a question. Green Lantern came from modeling. Now, did you always have the the desire to act, or did modeling lead to the career? Uh, it was kind. Of, it was like kind of like same time. Um, modeling, t modeling actually took off while I, while I was an actor. So um, no, I just kind of wanted to. Um, you know what? I never, I never wanted to be a model. I just wanted to hang out with girls. <laughs> actually, that was that's why we learned to play guitar. <laughs> I'd like to see your model walk. You could just do the. Cue some music. Blue Steel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the weirdest part is like you people go to school for that. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and they make you like have a book on your head. I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. And people take it so seriously. But no, um, it, it just kind of it was fun. I was in college, and uh, it, paid, it helped me pay for college. And and uh, Calvin Klein was was really good to me. And, that's how models what's read, up? they put the book on their head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, if, if some of these kids are like, what's the book? <laughs> iPad, what are you doing? What are you talking about, Grandpa? Yeah. <laughs> All right. We have one more question, so please don't stink. Now make it real good. Oh, no. And all the hands go down, I don't care, mine's. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Pressure's on. That has to be a good question. Um, we all have you know, our favorite lines or our favorite scenes that you guys have done on the show, but what are your favorite lines or scenes that you've had on the show? Oh, that's easy. Oh, yeah. So, okay, so like I said, I, I was a Superman comic. I'm a, I'm a Superman and a Batman fanatic as a kid, right? And so when I read the pilot, before I even got the role, I was reading the last scene of the, of the pilot. And there's a moment where Jimmy Olsen says, up, up, and away. <laughs> I freaked out. I was like, ah! <laughs> Mom, look! Mom, look! If I can just ever, ah! That's pretty much what I did. Right. And, and then, hold on. Like, when we were shooting the scene, like, I, you know, it was, it was my first day at work. First day, and I was like, I'm super tired. We're downtown, it was early. And we're on, on this rooftop. And uh, this, the director's kind of just like, go. I'm like, what? Nothing? Nothing? <laughs> and so, and then we're doing this scene. And then, like, I was, I was geeking out so bad. I was nerding out so bad. I couldn't say up, up, and away. I was like, up, up, and away. <laughs> up, up, and away. Oh, God, no. <laughs> up, up, and away. Oh, God, no. It was horrible. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny.
Up, up, and away indeed. I love that story from McCod Brooks. Very, very awesome, funny story. I like that a lot. So that is it for this week's throwback episode of the Entertainment Goes Pop podcast. Hope you had a lot of fun listening to those Q&A panels. I know I had fun revisiting them and just reliving that fun over again. So thank you so much for listening. Take care. God bless. Have a great week.